Live life to the power of 103. The Twin Cam 103, greater power, greater freedom. 103 cubic inches of Twin Cam muscle. Now standard on all touring, soft tail, and most dynamiles. Feel the power, feel the freedom at your Harley-Davidson dealer. HarleyDavidson.com forward slash no cages. Harley-Davidson motorcycles, no cages. Listener to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of comics that include a member of the most underrated Marvel series from the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adjacent adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. I feel a random banter under my feet. I feel the sky tumbling down. Random banter time, buddy. Talk to me. Tell me tall tales and tantalizing tidbits of trivia. Today. Something, something. Earth move, shake under my feet. Uh, old song. I recognize it. Yeah, I'm not going to get the name yeah. right at all. That's because there's a little bit of ground shaking fun in this book. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You got that 100%. Also, it was a little deep dive to the locals here in the Portland area for OMSI, where they had an earthquake room, <laughs> a little earthquake setup. I don't and it would look like a little house and it would be like and they'd have a radio strapped down and the you'd get in there and it would start the quote unquote ride, the earthquake ride, and it would be I feel the earth move under my feet. And it's then the earthquake would start. And it's like, oh, you know, alert, earthquake. Shake, shake, shake. Man, shake. I just went back to my younger days going to that thing. I went back to just yeah, you just took me back in time on that. I know that they still have That was the idea. They still have that, right? They have a new they version. A new in version. fact, I was actually there last night. Yeah, I saw that. And I'm like, ooh, Earthquake Room. The new one, I gotta try out this white monstrosity because it's a big monstrosity that's all white. Oh, you got different buttons you can push for intensities of Earthquake. Three. And a stop button in case it's too scary. It's also all flashing red and not working. Ah. Okay, so. No, I, I remember that. I mean. God, they had that thing for years. They must have that thing yes. for like 20, Decades. 30, 40 years or something like that. I don't know. I think that... That's why when I was reading this issue with the earthquake and I'm like, that song immediately popped into my head and I said, OMSI. I want to say so. that that actually started off at the old OMSI building that was across from the zoo. I think they had that there before they moved it down to the Probably. one downtown. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, just bringing me back. <laughs> and this means nothing to anybody who has not lived in the Pacific Northwest in the Portland, Oregon area. <laughs> For the last 45 years. And I am sorry. But Jeff Pollier, <laughs> I see you out there. You know what we're yeah. talking about. <laughs> yeah. One person knows our feels. Okay. Yeah. So I, we were doing this kind of a week late because of you, not me, you, but because you decided not to do that, I started my road trip earlier last week where I helped my friend mm-hmm. drive out to North Dakota. But I don't want to talk about that because it was North Dakota and really nobody wants to talk about North Dakota. And any of our listeners from North Dakota out there, I'm sorry. Anyways, <laughs> I will say that while I was out in North Dakota, I did get a chance to see Guardians of the Galaxy. So I got to see that movie. Nice. It's good. I, I like it. I think some people are kind of eh, uh, yes and no on it and everything. 
I would definitely say it's probably the weakest of the three movies. I think there is a real strong argument that it doesn't even fit into the other two movies as well, because the other two movies have been interrupted by the Infinity War, Infinity Saga. Mm -hmm. It's been um, interrupted by the Thor movie and also the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So you need all of those things in there to understand what's going on now with this movie instead of just being a direct sequel to the other two. Okay. That's the way it is. It's more of just a continuation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe instead of an actual sequel. That being okay. said, I I like these characters. I like what James Gunn does with the film, and I think it's still enjoyable. It's still a fun ride. And for once, I have seen a story with High Evolutionary that didn't bore me. I actually like the High Evolutionary in this one. Yeah, when I saw he was in there, I'm like, ooh, Rick's going to be so happy. As soon as I, like, I, I blocked it from my memory that it's going to be him, that's going to be him, that's going to be him. And, like, as the movie's going and starting, I'm like, wait, that's the High Evolutionary. <laughs> <sighs> I'll be honest, I keep forgetting, too. Yeah. I haven't seen the movie yet. I won't see it until it probably comes out on streaming. But at, but. The, at the end of the day, I thought that he was quite a fun little villain he's insane so he is not the high evolutionary we normally see he is he's extreme kind of like that the only other thing i really wanted to mention really quickly and this is less to do with pop culture more than my life is we decided that uh, well we are a three cat household and we must have three cats so of course i mm. told everybody that our cat of 18 years passed away my daughter was really sad about it because that kind of was her cat. It really adopted yeah. her. So we decided we'd get her a kitten. The kitten has a name now. It's only taken like about two weeks, but it's Cleo. <laughs> and okay. she still is in quarantine in Carrie's room for a number of reasons. The number one reason being that she's got, you know, fleas and other things that we're trying to deal with. Oh, that's a problem. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's a problem. So we want yeah. to keep her away from the other cats. We don't care if our daughter gets fleas. That's fine. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you can put a collar on her. Yeah, that's not a problem. She takes showers and stuff. You want to keep the cats separated so that way they get used to each yeah, other's noises yeah. and, and scents through a door. And, 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 and you know, works that's out just that not going to happen because our cats really have made a decision that they don't like new people. Yeah. They're older and they just mm -hmm. really, no, not so much. We've done little visitations and the cats are like mm, no not our cup of tea this is this is too small too bouncy mm, nah, mm -hmm. just, just i'm gonna hiss at it and make it go away that's okay right yeah. that's okay if i can hiss at it and make it go away you'll make it go away that'd be great so we're hoping that eventually they'll come together we're gonna mm -hmm. just start well, playing a lot so of too. Beatles songs at them you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right now. So. Come on, cats. But for the moment, yes, it's she's just relegated to Carrie's room, which I think she's also fine with. It's a big room. Okay. There's lots of stuff mm -hmm. in here. Lots of clambering. There's <laughs> and, a bunk bed thing. Yeah. And when we do let her out, she kind of looks around the rest of the house going, this is a lot. I want to go back in the small room. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's always fun seeing cats kind of get into a uh, larger environment. Like we'd, uh, we've, we have inside cats at this place or all we used to we have one and we're, we have one cat working on zero yeah it'd be funny when you'd let him outside for it's like yeah let's go outside for a little bit and just watching him slink under the giant blue sphere of just like uh, <laughs> uh no <laughs> don't like yeah so that that's that's what i got going on how about you man 
What's rocking and rolling in your pop culture world? Oh, well, let's see. I've been watching My Hero Academia. Oh, I've never gotten into that. How is it? Actually, really pretty decent. It it runs the gamut of like, oh, this is just goofy, kind of like, oh, it's high schoolers, but they all, you know, 80% of the population on, on Earth has superpowers of some degree or another. A lot of people just kind of have, eh, I got some superpowers, whatever, but it's everyday life. And other people kind of like, oh, well, we want to be superheroes, and there's some supervillains and stuff. So it's a, it's a high school filled with superpowered teenagers learning how to be superheroes or support staff or business or whatever with superpowers and it it runs that really weird line of like oh it's goofy and funny and it's kind of a coming of age thing and also the yakuza monsters are going to kill everyone <laughs> so it's this weird dichotomy shift that goes on where it's almost an audible clunk it's good i've been enjoying it you can watch a bunch pretty quickly because it's like oh it's like a half hour show but you can really kind of cut out like the first opening scene because it's usually like a recap and credits and you can pretty much cut out the end credit stuff occasionally they have little things in there but you're like oh this is really like a maybe a 20 minute show <laughs> so but it's good i've been enjoying it the characters are neat animation's good it, it's a it's a fun ride i've been enjoying it i've known people that have really liked it for years now i'm finally getting a chance to watch it cool nice nice so there's my there's my culture of pop very nice i am glad you popped your culture hmm that sounds dirty hmm. i think we should move on before we get in trouble but before we do that, you need to give me a two cents replay. Can do. Spider-Man fills up his day planner by stopping a robbery at a deli, stopping Hydra-Man from stealing some jewels, beating the mayor, Triple J, in a popularity poll, demonstrating his new invention, the Cryocube 2000, to his boss at Horizon Labs, saying goodbye to most of the Future Foundation as they take an Atlantean vacation, losing some money to the Avengers in a poker game, getting his web belt and kung fu for mastering the way of the spider, and then caps his evening off by pushing off the talk his girlfriend wants to have with him to the next day because he's a tired little arachnid. Meanwhile, Jackal has given a bunch of New Yorkers spider powers, and they're starting to run wild in the city. All at the behest of the Spider Queen, who is excited to start the Island of Spiders event she has planned. Now that the... We saw Alex Power waving goodbye from the Future Foundation station wagon as they started the road trip, and that was why we were here. Two sentence replay is over. Why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? My pleasure, my friend. I have brought you a bottle. Mmm. It is a bottle. Yes, it is. It's also got a wax top on it, too, so enjoy that. It does. A lovely golden wax top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, do I know this one? Ooh, Crux Brewing. Ribbon of Darkness, barrel-aged Imperial Porter, and that is just a black bottle with a black label on it with some clouds and moons, and they're in gold and gray. I need to tell you, as soon as you said the words bourbon barrel-aged stout, because I forgot, <laughs> uh, I popped the top on this and I said... Heck yes, that is bourbon barrel aged. <laughs> and said, oh my, that is what it is. Because I prepared mine already, and I already kind of got wax off mine. So you just go ahead and enjoy that. All right, well, let's see. Ribbon of Darkness, Ribbon of Darkness. Why would this be Ribbon of Darkness? We're doing Laura Kinney X-23, and I'm going to say it's because the clone-induced heritage that Wolverine has of darkness that ribbons its way through all sorts of stuff. Or it's because of the ribbon connecting Sue and Laura and Pete. I'm just going with the fact that there's just this ribbon of darkness that seems to be running through Laura. She all of a sudden, like, loses it. She's got this energy going on. I just kind of felt that it fit. There's just a little okay. bit of darkness going on there, so. That does work. She was uh, kind of, she was pretty worked up. Yeah, yeah. 
And this is 11% ABV, embrace the darkness with his Imperial Porter aged in Heaven Hills bourbon barrels for six months, brewed with chocolate and midnight wheat malts for unparalleled smoothness. This pitch black porter offers robust notes of chocolate, molasses, brown sugar, and hints of vanilla. So yeah, I've got this nice, uh, it's not quite black. I got a little bit of brown that's in there, just a little bit of brown, but it's pretty, pretty dark. And the smell of it is heavily bourbon barrel aged. A lot of that chocolate, molasses, brown sugar, those kind of burnt flavors that are in there as well. I've smelled stronger Imperial Stouts before on the nose. I can smell it, but I've had ones that have been a lot more pungent. This has, yeah, there it is. You put your nose right into it and it's really there. Honestly, though, it's not too bad. First sip is okay. I can taste the bourbon barrel, but it's not excessive. Mm -hmm. A lot of Imperial Stouts, I have a problem where it's just very bourbon barrel Yeah, on the tongue. And this is like, yeah, hey, I'm here. And then... The aftertaste has a lot more of it because it sticks around. Hmm. Otherwise, yeah, kind of getting those kind of sweet toffees, kind of little chocolate kind of cu coffee notes. Yeah, it's not too shabby. Not too shabby. I'm enjoying it. I think it's pretty good. Overall, not too bad to start with, right? It's interesting. It's right in that kind of fine plus territory. It's It's got a real nice smoothness to it, but then it has kind of abrasive notes going on with some of the things. So mm -hmm. we'll see how it goes after about an hour of it. I, I have a memory in my head that we may have had this before. I don't think on the show, but I think that we've had this yeah. at Crux Brewing. I think Brewing. we have. I, they yeah, they I tend to have. go out with every year having a new one of these, but it's kind of in our wheelhouse. I, there's something very familiar about this one. So it's not mm – -hmm. it's it's strong and it's and it's in your face. There's a level of sweetness in there. Not unlike Laura Kinney. <laughs> nice tie. Thank you. In. Very Thank you nice. very much. So let's get into the book then, if you don't mind, and let's talk a little bit about some X-23. Can you tell us the opening credits, Jeff? X-23, Volume 3, Issue Number 14, November 2011. Chaos Theory Part 2. Writer, Majory Liu. Penciler, Phil Noto. Inker, Phil Noto. Colorist, Phil Noto. Letterer, not Phil Noto, but Corey Petit. Editor, Jody Lahup, Janine Schaefer, Nick Lowe. Featuring Laura, a.k.a. X-23, Gambit, Cecilia Reyes, and guest starring a few other people that kind of are involved with Fantastic Four. You know, Mr. Fantastic, Invisible Woman thing, all those. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Alex Power, too. He's in it for a moment as well. <laughs> we have a live news report to provide you, the listener, with exposition to know why we're here. And what has happened. And now, the weather. Thanks, Skip. No matter what anyone says, that new wig looks great on you. An earthquake has rocketed the Manhattan area, caused by some superhuman shenanigans. This, of course, has nothing to do with the weather, but since it is a comic book, we will just call it science. And now, sports. The X-Men, Volleyball Doubles Champions, X-23, and Gambit continue their streak of destruction as they battle various opponents that all have something to do with X-23's mysterious past. The most recent game against Alex Simony, a former child, former target, she was supposed to kill but didn't, was postponed by the earthquake. And now our top story. Mysterious men with symbols on their forehead. A new fad or just another reason to have the FF show in your story? News at 11. Click. Hey kids, it's time for Ookie and Mookie, the fun monster pals! And scene? 
We are in the Baxter building, and the news channel has been switched to cartoons by Ben, who has forgotten that the Smarty Pats Brigade would rather have current events than SpongeBob SquarePants. The kids are all speculating on the cause of the earthquake, summed up by our boy Alex, that since it was an earthquake that only damaged one city block, no more, no less, that it probably was an attack. But who was the target, he asks. My money's on Gamut. He is always to blame. Hey, Rick, that's a good guess. But the real question is who is the angry young lady with the half shirt on? It's strange to read a book from a little over 10 years ago where people do not know who X-23 is. Who is X-23? <sighs> now we call her Laura Kinney, a.k.a. Wolverine, the real one. She is a clone of Logan, was made as a weapon, used as an assassin, and has pretty big chip on her shoulder at this time. She is also... Awesome! Okay, well, now we know. And once I heard somewhere that knowing is half the battle. Spidey knows her because, well, he's Spidey. And he vouches that she is good people to Ben, who is a little anxious because of her claws and stuff. She's not a cat, dude. She's not going to rip up your sofa. New kid in the house, I'll tell you what's what. Anyway, Spidey is a legit good dude and brings the pointy lady a sandwich. And we're back to sandwiches again? Now, X-23 is watching Reed do science at a machine that was found last issue at the university Laura was near. Something that put out a bunch of energy prior to the earthquake. And after Laura gets some info, she is ready to leave. But Ben is blocking the door, which causes Laura to respond in a wolverine way. Snicked. Before things become the best time at what clobbering does, Sue steps in and tells Laura that they just want to talk, but they will not force her to stay. Way to get the toothpaste back in the tube. Sue gets the angry weapon to talk a bit more about what she saw. Besides seeing a man with a symbol on his head, she was looking for someone. And who is that someone? Why, it's just this kid Alex who is now being questioned by Gambit and Cecilia Reyes. These two are playing true detective looking for their good friend Laura. Unfortunately, the guy she was spying on did not see her, so... Bummer. No leads there. But good news. Cecilia, who was always a bit iffy on Gambit, and most of the X-Men, is finding out that there is more to this Cajun mutant than just head socks, cards, and winking at women. Neat. Okay, back to the Baxter building in the meeting of the century. Val and Laura meet in a hall and have a moment. Sue introduces the two, and it seems that they both know each other's top headlines. Laura knows Val is uber smart, and she is loved by her family, because they are scared of her. Val knows Laura kills people. <laughs> Awkward. Oh, don't worry. Laura's very open about that facet of her life, but she does add that she does not kill children. Anymore. Nice. And speaking of kids, Laura's brought to the playroom where all the kids are, well, playing. This includes Alex Power, who is recreating his favorite moments of Back to the Future 2 while using a hoverboard. Franklin, in a sweet gesture, offers Laura a cookie that he has only slightly chewed on. <laughs> Future Galactus, folks. Laura accepts it, then goes all red and glowy and some seismic energy erupts out of her until Sue contains her. Wow! And I mean, wow! A simple no thank you would do. Or, try this, Laura, I do not want your slobbered on cookie kid, because that would have worked too. She didn't have to crush the cookie to bits, clutch her heart, and create an earthquake. Later, our heroine awakes in a hospital bed with science wires attached to her. Of course, no Wolverine likes to wake up like this, so she leaps up, whips out her claws into Val's face while she is reading a book on becoming a dictator or something. 
Luckily, or unluckily, depending on your view of child violence, Laura holds back and the two talk about if it was a nightmare or just the usual way that Laura greets the day. They also take off all the science wires. Reed comes in to provide no real information from those tests, but he did recalibrate his equipment and has determined that the energy that caused the earthquakes came from, you guessed it, her. Man! You would think being a clone of Logan, claws and a healing factor, would be enough for this lady. But she has to go and get energy powers, too? It is okay, folks. She is in good company. As Spidey explains, they deal with this stuff monthly. Sometimes more, depending upon the number of titles they appear in, or if they are publishing bi-monthly. Then Val speaks up. She's been toying with the science box Reed brought in, and noticed that the energy reading that was tracked to Laura also has traces on Spidey and her mother, Sue. What? And then, in a room full of smart people, Spidey comes up with a theory. Do y'all remember that time that the power that makes Captain Universe came down and possessed a bunch of people? Including Sue, Laura, and himself? Are you having a fever dream? Are your ears ringing? Do you smell toast? Jeff, what color is the sky in your world? Yes, 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 all of that. But that's not really important now. There was a time when this cosmic force came down and did a circuit of controlling a small group of Marvel comic characters. The Captain Universe power is the ultimate god in the machine power in the Marvel Universe. Okay, whatever. And it's just ex machina, dude. Reed is trying to figure out why the power has not manifested itself and why the earthquakes and stuff are happening. Val is done with the talkie-talkie. She just wants to science things. So she fiddles with the machine that detected the earthquake radiation and uses it to activate the latent radiation in all the people that are in the room for mm, science reasons. Reed, way too late, uses the words we have been waiting for him to say for so, so very long. Valeria, no! Val and Reed then watch in shock. Shock, I say, as Sue, Laura, and Peter are transported away in a mass of Kirby, Snap, Crackle, and Pop. The three end up on a blighted landscape with a broken moon above them and a host of monsters and beasts advancing on them. <laughs> Someone's gonna get grounded for sure, and it ain't me this time. And it's not me either. Mm, we're not exactly sure about that one, but we'll put that aside for now. And we'll talk about the Power Pack packaging starting with the cover of this issue. Hey, 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 this is nice and simple, and I kind of like it. This has X-23 up in the corner, which is interesting. It's not where the corner box usually is. It's kind of in that place. Got X-23, the Marvel.com down there. And the majority of the right side of the book is the thing, just standing in all his <laughs> rocky glory, looking down at Laura, and Laura's on the left-hand side, looking up at him with, her claws out in one hand and her fingers going come on big guy let's dance <laughs> she looks like a toddler she looks like she's about a, a six-year-old getting ready to throw a tantrum to her dad in size is what it really boils down well, to in size yes but she does not mm -hmm. look like a six-year-old she looks like no i'm just saying scale wise it would be like a six-year-old standing standing in front of her dad let's say this i think it's more like gi joe figures standing mm. up next to optimus prime <laughs> oh, okay. You can do that. I'm just looking up there and that's what that. I'm seeing. So That's what's up there. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> this was drawn by Kalman Androsovsky, and I'm sorry if I butchered that name too. It's cartoony art. It's a little bit more cartoony. Yes. It's not kind of traditional house style, and it's not the ultra-realistic type. It's a little simple, 
but it's good. I like it for what it is. I think it's very effective, uh, and especially with just the simplistic and clean approach of it. We got a green background that these two characters are on. It the focus is right on Ben Graham, but that does mm-hmm. not mean that Laura is slouching out of this at all. She's standing up no. to him. She is just come on, let's do this. Yep. The background color really makes both of the characters pop. Mm -hmm. So while, yes, Mr. Big Orange Man stands out a lot better, Laura pops really well, too. So you see both of them. Nobody gets lost in the the cover. You would think that this would be the big face-off between the two issue from looking at this (laughs) as opposed to... This is one little scene in this book. It's it's her wanting to Mm -hmm. leave a room and Ben standing in front of her. And this is the prelude to something that doesn't happen, but... I think it correctly identifies the tension that's in this book. Yeah, there is tension. The Fantastic Four are dealing with an unknown. They're dealing with two unknowns. They're dealing with this energy thing that's happening that's caused some trouble. And they're dealing with a character they do not know yet. Spidey's doing some vouching for her, but I mean, Mm -hmm. this is Marvel Universe. The heroes meet, they fight. We aren't having Mm -hmm. the fight. And so they're like, well, we don't know who and what you are, but you're going to stay here. And Laura's like, yeah, that's not how I play. It's kind of started just in the fact that Ben doesn't trust her. Apparently, there's been too many people with claws running around the building. And he's like, nah, I'm not having this. I don't like this. The scene that led up to this was basically Laura finding out that it was like the science lab at the university and kind of intimates that it's like she's got to go to get there. And it just happened to be that Ben was coming in the door at the same time. Ben takes up a doorway. She's all, he's all, huh? And she's all, move. And he's like, (laughs) well, maybe I don't want to. So it was less about him holding her there and more kind of like two people wanting to go through the same doorway at the same time and being jerks to each other. Sue later on going like, hey, we're not holding you against your will. Maybe you just want to wait for a minute and maybe we can figure something out. To be fair, Ben is the reverse bouncer in these situations where if they've got something new there and they're trying Mm -hmm. to check it out, yeah, yeah, Ben is like, hey, I'm not letting you go unless I get the high sign from those two. Yeah, because he even came in and he's like, so what's going on in here? Yeah, yeah. and should I trust her? Anything? Yeah. I like this because... Like I said, this is weird. I am used to the today world where everybody knows Laura Kinney. I mean, mm-hmm. she doesn't have the history that Wolverine's got, but she's got her own level. People know not to mess with her and people mm-hmm. respect her. And this is one of these cases. And also, she's more used to being on her own, too. We all know who she is. And just the fact that Fantastic Four is like, you are a new person. We don't know you. That's kind of cool seeing that this is mm-hmm. their kind of first interactions with her and, and who she is and what she is. And Spider-Man's like, oh, it's okay. She's okay. And they're like, mm, mm, we trust you, yeah, Peter. But she? Yeah. But we also want to verify. <laughs> yeah, trust but verify. It, it's also the aspect, too, where it's just like, I'm very aware of Laura Kinney. But at the same time, there's a lot about her that I don't know. And I haven't read all of her stuff. Yeah. And this is kind of a a slice in time when she had been introduced. And yeah, like you were saying, not everybody knows her. I have no idea how Spidey knows her. And it's like, oh, she's a good kid. How, how do you know that? Well, I have no knows idea. Everybody. I'm sure there's a story. Spidey, well, knows, yeah, everybody. Spidey knows everybody. Yeah, Laura Kinney slipped out of her clone sleeve and Spidey was there <laughs> going, oh, here, let me make you some clothes with webs and here, have my pizza. Well, so <laughs> at this point in time, I think... I'm trying to remember exactly where it's at in her storyline. She kind of came in 
fairly well-formed or close to well-formed. We got her backstory not too long after a real introduction. So we know where she's mm-hmm. from. We know that she was cloned from Logan. We know that she was trained to be an assassin. We know that she had some tough times in New York. And we know that she's out of that and that she's trying to establish her, herself as her own person. So that's kind of the worldview of her right now. And people are kind of liking her. It's a new take on the Wolverine character. It's not the gruff Wolverine male, but it's the strong-willed, look, I'm going to be my own person here, and I'm going to figure mm-hmm. it out. She's very standoffish with people, which that's a trait that Logan's got, but it's a different kind. It's like, I've just had danger. I I know most of my memories, and I'm still trying to figure out some things that are, that are missing there, but mm-hmm. yeah, so she's still trying to find herself, and we're experiencing what she can do and who she is. And the fact that she is hanging out and doing these adventures on a road trip type of thing with Gambit. Okay. Mm. <laughs> what is interesting with uh, like Laura's interactions with the people is that she is like really slow to respond on interactions mm-hmm. where it's like, if it's, if it's a threat, she's like, yeah, pop claws, let's go kind of thing. Guy in the doorway snicked. But when it's like Valeria talking to her or something, you're going, Oh, hi. They, they keep on showing like, like a character says something nice to her and it shows kind of like a blank expression panel of her staring at them. And then like her responding, hi. Yeah. You know, kind of like she doesn't quite know how to process the, the day to day, the kind of the banal commentary or the, just the standard sort of like, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? What's up? Kind of, kind of meeting or like, Oh, a kid offered me a cookie. it's like, is there a threat here? Is there not? So it's, is she slow in processing the non-action? Whereas Wolverine would take everything as a threat and just... Well, or as an insult. Right, right. We got a different way that that she deals with things. I, I wanted mm-hmm. to point out really quickly that the Gambit introduction into this, and we don't really see her interacting so much with Gambit, but we see Gambit interacting no. with Cecilia Reyes. This is kind of one aspect of Gambit that I like. He is... The road trip buddy. He has done some very interesting interactions with people in road trip situations where it's just one-on-one with him. And I think I like him working in those environments. He tends not to get Mm -hmm. lost in just the onslaught of X-Men characters at that point in time. So this is kind of the cool, cool gambit that I like. And he's also not getting lost in the caricature of himself. Right. Where people, you know, like if it's in an ensemble where they're like, oh, well, we got, oh, ma chérie, oh, mi amour, ma chérie, kind of a, <laughs> Where he's know, part of that. Oh, the- Gambo, just from Kaivon, you know, kind of thing. Where they don't have to feel like they need to slap you in the face with like, I have a 13 second part in this issue. I need to hit my catchphrases before I walk out the door. This gives him a little bit more breathing room. I know he was only in it for about three pages or something. Yeah. But it was an interesting version of him because he even talks about himself where he's like with uh, Cecilia who's like you're not quite what I thought you were going to be like and he's like let me guess the womanizing betrayer all these things the flirt Mm -hmm. yeah I'm not really most of those things but you know whatever. That's just one of his kind of personas that he has Mm -hmm. and you know it's it's not talking about Teeves Guild or anything like that. Yeah. Not you at Gambit. Yeah I get you. (laughs) Yep. So yeah I like this the only other thing I really wanted to talk... Oh, there's a couple other things I want to talk about, really. The art style throughout the entire book. What's your take on it? Phil Nodo's artist. It's passable. It's not fantastic. Like you were saying about the cover, it's not house style. No. It's not hyper-realistic. I almost want to say it's a concise artist style. Yeah. It's a concise style of depicting things. It's not loosey-goosey. It's not impressionistic. It's just a very 
bare bones, minimalistic way of showing what people look like. It works. It's not quite for me. It's very kind of staid. There wasn't a lot that I could grab out of it where I said, oh, I really like this or, oh, I don't like this. It was just kind of... Yeah, you know, was, was, was. Yeah, I'm kind of agreeing with you. The characters seem wooden. There's not a real good flow of movement that I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. The simple style, I think you've got it on there. I didn't really stick out to me either. I, I'm fine with it. It's not horrible, but it's not something I would definitely go to. I think it works fine for this story, which is good. I think that it mm-hmm. helps convey the message and the beats that the writer is wanting to do. So I think it's a good pairing for the story. It's just not my favorite art style. They didn't have to do a lot of flash in this because it's very talking head, not talking head, very static environments. Mm -hmm. It wasn't an action set piece. They didn't have to impress you with that. This story that we're in the middle of, there's a couple of things going on. It's a little bit of a mystery. She's trying to find out some more of her past. She's trying to get in touch with this Alex guy. There's this weird energy that's coming out of her. Oh, this same energy is attached with her and Spider-Man and Sue. And oh my gosh, it's tied with Captain Universe. That's a deep pull. So it's, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on here. And we are going to talk more about it next episode. I think we can get really into the Captain Universe stuff next episode because Yeah, we've got one more of these. We're in the middle of the X-23. It's just two issues, (laughs) and the next story gets even weirder. So we'll get on to that later on. Let's talk more about this book. We just talked about the art. Let's go ahead and get into our final thoughts and talk more about art with the Gallery of Greatness. What art in this book needs to be pinned to Laura Kinney's recovery room? She woke up in, whipped out her claws, wanted to kill Val. Hey, let's not put blood on those walls. Let's put some artwork on there. How about that? That's a new choice. (laughs) So, Jeff, tell me a little bit about your backup joke one, if you will, please. My backup joke is on Marvel Unlimited, page number six. And I call it Upside Down Spider-Man Kiss. Because this is when Spidey is on the ceiling and he's talking to Ben about a foot, foot and an inch away from each other's faces. And I've seen this in the movies before. This is where him and MJ smooch, right? So... Maybe maybe him and Ben have a little upside down Spider Man kiss. I think I think you're trying to really push that relationship, and I just don't see it working. I don't see it ending happily. <laughs> I think that there is going to be a lot of tears. I think there's going to be a lot of anger and sadness, and really, nah, not mm-hmm. for me, not for me. Not gonna happen. Not, not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about my backup joke one, and mine is called "How do you say hello?" <laughs> yeah. And this is where Laura whips out her claws, and puts them right in Val's face. So Yeah, it's when she woke up in science lab with the science leads on her, and she said, Val's reading a book on uh, Jonestown or something like that. Uh, Something. (laughs) I I was trying to figure out what the book was, and I couldn't tell, and I hit a stage where I gave up and stopped caring. So, (laughs) Yeah, great way to say hello there, Laura. Very nice, very nice. (laughs) (laughs) What do you have for your other joke one? For my top joke one... It's on page number six again, and it's the panel right above the Upside Down Spider-Man Kiss one that I was talking about, and I call it, and that's how you get crumbs up your nose. 
<laughs> and that's because Spider-Man is standing on the ceiling eating a sandwich. And it's actively showing crumbs are falling from him onto the floor. And since it's going to be above his nose, he's going to get a nose full of crumbs. Yeah, but you know Dumb what, though? Spidey you know right? what, though? At least it's not on his suit. And, you know... It- now, nothing sticks to his suit. That's the problem. Remember, it's the unstable molecules. He's tried to... Spl- you know, he's splattered it with stuff before. And he's like, oh, no, it's ruined. Oh, no, it's not. But peanut butter and jelly sandwiches always get stuck there. Always oh. get stuck there. The one weakness of unstable molecule costumes, the old PB&J. My top one is when Laura enters the room with the kids and the kids are playing. And I just, my question is, what exactly is the Moloid doing? Because Spidey's got him like wrapped up and just hanging there. Just these, yeah, they're playing, I guess. And it's just like, Spidey, what are you, are you torturing that kid? No, the kid's all higher, higher. He's just lifting him up and stuff. I think he's torturing him because the kid's saying higher, higher doesn't realize the word is lower, lower. I'm going to be sick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my excuse. That's my excuse. Let's get into some good art. What do you got for good art, man? My backup good art is the final page 21 splash page, and I call it Under a Broken Moon. And this has Sue, Laura, and Peter on the alien landscape in front of the alien monstrous army and a foreign sky and i was like yeah that's really cool so i, I went for a splash page i'm, I'm a little upset you because that's that's my top one that's my top one i like that one i like i like the concept too that hey we're not in kansas anymore folks and it's this blighted landscape i loved it i thought mm-hmm. it was a great ending to the book i thought it was a great art piece that's why i got my top one Okay, what's your backup? I'm going to guess it's my uh, top I, I think so. It probably is. It, this is at the beginning of the book where yep. the kids are sitting around and they are just chilling. Yep. It's the kids chilling. Yep. And we've got another splash page. We've got this room where we've got Alex just kind of sitting there. He's watching TV. You got Bentley, Val, and Franklin. They are building a robot bunny. Lots of questions. We got the Moloids all sitting on the couch watching TV. Ben's behind the couch with the remote. And then you got the two Atlantean kids. One of them's playing chess with Dragon Man. The other one's watching. They're just chilling. They're just chilling. I called it downtime. Yep. Because, yeah, they're just hanging out, just taking some downtime, just doing, playing a game or watching TV or building an Android. Well, they're they're building the uh, robot that um, you have to use a holy hand grenade on. Yep, it's a rabbit. But Val does state that it's an android with laser shooting ears and a tail that can detach and be a light bomb. And because big Ben nasty called it a robot. Teeth. Big nasty. 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 Look at the bones. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is your Monty Python bit, my friends. You are welcome. Let's talk about rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult in this book? Jeff. But I don't kill children. Not anymore. Yeah, anymore. Not anymore. Yeah, that's not too bad. Mm-hmm. I had to go with Laura's. I, I liked that. I liked it. I liked it. I liked it. I liked just there is a threat and a little bit of a little bit of uh, self joke there too. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it. What do you got? It was on my list. I thought about that one. I went for uh, page eight when Laura's trying to leave the science room and Ben is in the door and uh, Laura's response to that is snicked and Ben says, huh. <laughs> <laughs> Those don't impress me, kid. Still hurts. So. Still hurts, <laughs> oh, and still he hurts. should know that. He knows that, but... My top. When you were with the X-Men, you heard people call me a womanizer, a thief. You heard about all the trouble I caused. Folks I betrayed. All true, except maybe the womanizing. 
<laughs> that is my worst yeah, but- Cajun accent ever. You are welcome. Yeah, <laughs> that was wonderful. You know, all of the things people say about him, all of the things he says, and he's like, you know what? That is all not true. Oh, yeah. I am a womanizer. Maybe I am. What do you got for a top one? On page six, it's Spidey and Ben talking about X-23. And Spidey's all, X-23, Ben, she's a good kid. Yeah, maybe she's little. But there have been too many people running around this uh, place causing trouble. And Spidey's response to that is, admit it, big guy, you like trouble. <laughs> yeah. So I just like the fact that that's Spidey calling Ben on his, he's like, hey, I don't want no trouble here. There's going to be trouble. And Spidey's like, he want trouble. Come on. I think we do so. the one thing is that there's no real good childish insults we had to go with some like real it was a hard one for mm-hmm. this one yeah yeah there was no uh lizard breath or dog head or whatever kind of thing but there was there was a parent of the year award that got handed out to somebody or in this case possibly mm-hmm. two people here is my mm-hmm. nomination for parent of the year award the reed richards award for good parenting take that as you will take as you will ben he tried to interact mm-hmm. with the kids even though he overcorrects with the cartoons instead of the news. Uh-huh. That's fair. He tried. He was like, you know what? Let me just switch this over. You guys are, oh, wait, I forgot. You are all smarter than your average bear. Yeah. I should have kept it on there. He was interacting with them, and and he was talking about things with them. So I- There was also the aspect, too, when they go into the playroom. Mm-hmm. And in the background, Ben and Val are holding hands, and it looks like they were he was dancing with her. Okay. Or doing parent-daughter spin around in a circle while holding hands. And I'm like, yeah, oh, nice. Okay, I dig that. Yeah, so that's a good parenting moment right there, too. Who do you got? I am going to take the Reed Richards uh, word for good parenting and do the flip side of that, where it's the, is it really good parenting? And I'm going to give it to Reed. Okay. There wasn't huge interactions with Reed, other than him not knowing quite what the science was doing. But there was also the aspect, it's like, huh, okay, a Wolverine has passed out. So I should probably strap a bunch of wires to her in a cold, sterile room because Wolverines love waking up that way. So when she flips out and he comes in the room, he's all like, oh yeah, past traumas. I didn't think about that. Anyway, later too, when he's brought the device and it's like, yeah, there's all sorts of this weird latent radiation is coming from you. And then Val grabs the machine and he's not like, don't fiddle with it. <laughs> and she's fiddling with stuff and he's not paying attention to his I don't want to say problematic daughter. So, so in a normal world, Jeff, you enter mm-hmm. into a room and you put down an open beverage, an open soda can on the counter, knowing that you have a young daughter, a daughter. and mm-hmm. you go and look at a magazine. And then because you didn't lay down the law of saying, hey, I am putting the soda down. Don't take it. She picks it up and starts drinking. It's exactly like what Val did. Hey, I'm not saying I'm uh, uh, going to win the read read award no, I, for the actually, good side. Actually, I'm also thinking either. about your child and just I, I think you're kind of messed up really both ways you go about it because whether you tell her or not, <laughs> the soda can's getting picked up and she's going to drink it. It's good. She is going to do whatever she wants <laughs> yes. to do. Do as not kids drink. Are want to do. Do not. I said don't don't drink. What, yeah, don't you, don't, don't, don't pick don't, it up. Don't. Okay, don't drink it. Okay, don't pour it on the ground. Okay, don't. Uh, I'll go get a towel. Don't fall down into it and rub it into the carpet. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't feed it to the VCR. <laughs> Don't feed it to the Betamax player. <laughs> Let's talk about more most popular and most shunned. Who is the best and who is the mm-hmm. worst in this issue? My worst, 
Val. Hmm. You just gotta go and push those buttons, don't you? And I'm not just talking about this machine that your dad brought in. I'm also talking about Laura Kinney. Maybe, Pe- yeah, maybe, people maybe you shouldn't push those buttons either. Just think mm-hmm. about it for a second. Think about your choices. <laughs> think about the pointy choices you are making. She's like her dad. It's not always good with the socials. Hey, I know you. You're that lady that kills people. <laughs> just everybody. You just kill people. Me, just me, yeah. grown-ups and animals yeah. and children. How about you think about your moves? <laughs> Who do you have as the most <laughs> shunned? I actually picked Ben. Ben. Yep, I'm going to go for Ben as the worst just due to his, uh, like you were saying, he was trying to do the good parenting and everything. But everything when it came to, to Laura, he was just like, I don't like that girl. I don't, not on my watch. Nope, not that girl from that side of the tracks. No, no, nobody that's a dancer is going to dance in my town kind of a thing. I just saw him, even when Spidey's like, Ben, she has a name. She's a good kid. Give her a chance. You know, all these, all the different things. And Ben is just kind of like, mm, nah. Well, so. he does know that she is somehow connected to Wolverine. And that puts mm-hmm. a big no on his radar. So I I don't really blame him. I get it. Yeah. I still picked him as my worst. Okay. Just for how he was interacting with some of the situations. Again, it's the fuzzy logic on why we chose some of this stuff for, for like me. And, you know, it's like the, the rubber and glue moments where it's like, eh, I gotta grab something. I guess that. So I think I'm pretty happy with Val. She sent three people to the negative zone. I mean, we can, or wherever. We can agree that's bad, right? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe it's nice. I mean, I didn't see any candy and cupcakes and rainbows there. So no. No, that's because they're doing the false uh, setup, the Mm. cliffhanger at the end where a monstrous army. Oh, of like caretakers and people with cakes. Okay. It's a baking competition. Who knows? Best, though. Best person in this book. The most popular. I'm saying Spidey. Mm. He was trying to keep the temperature down. He was trying to work Mm -hmm. the problems. Spidey is trying to be a problem solver. Yo, dude, can't we all just get along? Yeah. Yep, he's speaking up for people. He's bringing them sandwiches. He's trying to talk people down. He's vouching for folk. He's even, he's even the one who came up with like, oh, I know what's going on here. Yeah. It's the Captain Universe power. Which everyone's like, uh, Peter, can you can you put down the pipe for a second? Because mm. yeah. <laughs> kids in the building. Kids <laughs> in the building. Yeah. All right. Well, we agreed on that. Let's see if we can agree on where we should rank this book. Because we have this amazing list of books that we're doing now, starting with Fantastic Four, number 588, The Month of Mourning, and going all the way down to The Loners, What Lies Beneath. And, of course, in the middle, we got, like, spot 30, Amazing Spider-Man 660. And we got spot 26, Amazing Spider-Man number 661. And spot 19, FF number 1, The Club. We're on this list with all these numbers and all these comics. Should we put this? I mean, this is good, right? It's okay. I'm not going to lie. I found it predominantly kind of boring. Okay. It's not in a real exciting read. Some stuff kind of goes on. It's all right. I do not love it. I didn't really. I'm, I'm like, I'll read the next comic in the issue, you know, in the series. Well, you have to. Have to. You know. Otherwise, I, yeah, because I have to. But otherwise, I don't think I'd come back to the storyline and really. So you're saying this is a War of Kings Darkhawk number two. I'm saying it's above that. I'm saying it's around 26. I'm thinking 26, the new 27 kind of area. 
So, but it's very close to the War of Kings stuff, but I think it was kind of better than that because I like the characters and it had Alex and stuff in it. I don't know. I'm just, I'm feeling like maybe it's a new 27, but I could be talked down or something. It, talk me up I, or talk I, me down. I, I think I'm with you on there. On its own, the story really drops you in the middle of something, which is a lot like that number 27, the Wolverine, Fall Back and Spring Forward, Wolverine number 37. I think mm-hmm. that one, we're able to kind of piece it together a lot quicker because it's fact, there's a lot of action, there's a lot of fighty-fighty in there, and we're able to kind of piece together what's going on. This is right in the middle of something. On its own, it's a little difficult. The things around it help pull it together. Let's go ahead and put this as a new number 28. Let's split up the... War of Kings, Darkhawk okay. number one, and the, I, I kind of like that Wolverine number thirty-seven just a little bit better. But I, I'm, okay. I'm with you on that. I think that's a good spot for it, though. All right, I am great with that. I, and I think that's because the Wolverine stuff had more action going yeah. on with yeah. it. So there's some more, yeah, you know, like oh, that's cool, and this is happening, and that's kind of neat. But it was quasi nonsensical anyway. But <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about something that we do know about and that does make sense to us, and that is beer, Crux, Ribbon of Darkness. Barrel-aged Imperial Porter. I am drinking it very slow because it's an Imperial age. (sighs) Yeah, I'm drinking it slow, too. This is bitey, Mm. bitey. It's got a lot that's there. I I don't mind it. With a lot of Crux brewing, they're very in-your-face about a lot of things, and it's not necessarily great. I think that the flavors are there, but they're very heavy-handed with the the barrel-aged part of this i was making faces while drinking it i find it to be fairly unrefined because and again it is because it's kind of got a creamy to it it's kind of got a little sweetness to it but i think that's the the taste you get as the lead up to the bourbon barrel three i want it to be more than it is but like i said i find it to be it's coarse and abrasive it's an unrefined beverage is what i'm really seeing it as i'm a little more forgiving on it i think i'm gonna go for 3.5 but i would agree with everything you're talking about i still am getting some good taste that's in there but it's i have to fight for the good taste and i think that's where Mm -hmm. where i'm dropping it down more than bringing it up yeah the tastes are there but you do have to go hunting for them and you have to push your tongue around the other just dominant flavor notes to get to these like oh and then there's that little bit of this oh there's that little bit of this but it's very heavy-handed in its other flavor profiles all right so that's what we got for that then let's go ahead and uh, move on down our list of things to talk about yeah and that would be going to kids perspective and that is where rick talks to his 12 year old daughter carrie about the issue that we just covered so rick and carrie take it away hello carrie hello daddy we are going to talk really quickly about x23 number 14 right yeah what did you think about this comic book it was cool it introduced a character that i didn't know about before it's she a wolverine clone yes she is you haven't had much exposure to laura kinney have you no i might have seen her on a poster but i highly doubt it got a poster down here of oh yeah 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 the only thing that really made me think of her was because of the two thingies' claws. And the difference here is that the one I've got is actually not Laura Kinney, but it's a clone of Laura Kinney. So Laura Kinney is a clone of Wolverine. And, and that's a clone of Laura Kinney. Yeah, that's Scout. There's a lot of clones. There's a lot of clones once we start getting into Wolverine and X-Men and all that kind of stuff. You know, Marvel is like really confusing sometimes like there's like yeah there's like clones and there's like people come back from the dead or something you go back in time yeah bajillions of 
humans start taking over the world. Yeah. Sometimes there's different worlds. Yeah. Comic books are a art form and a literature style that involves a lot of paying attention and tracking things. It can get confusing. It's a really long soap opera. A really, really, really long. Ever since the 1960s, Marvel Comics has been going as it's one story that's been going on the entire time. So you've got to meet Laura Kinney. What do you think about her? She's interesting. I mean, I haven't really like, I mean, I've only seen this comic of her. Mm -hmm. Sounds like she's had a harsh past. She had a very harsh past. She she was created, experimented on, and used as a weapon. She didn't have her own agency. She didn't have her own control over what she was doing. She has since worked very hard to be her own person and be in control of herself. And a lot of people say that she is the best Wolverine. Do you agree with that opinion? I think I do. I like Logan. I think he's a pretty good Wolverine, too. But I think Laura Kinney, she may be the better Wolverine. But you know what? They both are Wolverine, and it's okay. Yeah. What about her interactions with the other superheroes, Fantastic Four and Spider-Man? She seems like she's really independent. Sounds like she doesn't really want to be working with others. And Ben certainly doesn't like her. Yeah. They, they're having... Yeah. It even says so on the cover, too. What did you think about the ending of the book when they started talking about this cosmic power thing that's that's inside her and Sue and Spider-Man? And it's causing these earthquakes, and then they get teleported off to that demon world? What did you think about all that? Hmm. <laughs> it was a lot. Did you understand all of it? No. Did you understand some of it? Maybe. My eyes kind of <laughs> sort of glazed over some parts. <laughs> This happens sometimes when reading. You just want to get to interesting dialogue. And then you see an explosion on the next page and you immediately want to read that. And it's, it's kind of hard. Well, I'll tell you what. I will sit down with you and explain the wonderful complexity of the Captain Universe power between this and the next book that you read, which is going to be the next X-13 book. And that one, a little more intense. So we may have a... Oh. Yeah, we, we may have a couple of conversations about that one as you're reading it. Okay. Other than that, do you have any other questions? I don't think so. All right. I thank you very, very much for your time, Carrie. You're welcome. I love you. Love you too. I have nothing to say about what you said, Carrie, other than thank you so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure. Shout out time. We like to recognize those listeners that take some time to write in or leave us a review. And this is for episode 132. FF, number four, The Beating of the Drums. Charles Gears. My wife, Cindy. Clinton Robeson and his podcasts, Coffee and Comics and Fan Film Fridays. Jeremy Daw. Jeremy Wiggins. Hoover Jeremiah and his podcast, Four Million Years Later. Matthew Birdsey. Tim Price, The Podcrasher, and his podcast, The Outcasters. We also like to thank those people that still give us some money to talk about random comic books in the Marvel Universe. And that includes adorably astonishing and amazing Andrew Burns. Cheerfully cheeky and charming Char Logan. Challenging, cheesy, and chuckling Charles Gears. Destructive and devastatingly delightful Damian Witter. Dynamically dangerous and devious Doug Jones. Intelligent, interesting, and innovative Isaac Perry. Jesting, joking, and jovial Jeff Polier. Just jealous and jeweled Jeremy Daw. Muscly, mighty, and meticulous Matthew Birdsey. Mythical and magnificent monologuing Matthew Laserwitz. Steely, salty, and steamy Sailor Bear Zodar. Sad and sickeningly silly Shag Matthews. Tyrannically terrifying and tame Tim Price. Way, way wordy and wobbly waffles. Weird and wonderfully wacky 
Wind. Next issue, we are going to be covering X-23 number 15, Chaos Theory Part 3. Be sure to check out Monthly Monday Movie Muckabouts. I've got some old episodes of those over on the Longbox Crusade Network. And we have some merchandise available on Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and search for Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Jeff and Represent is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of me in that mirror up there in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Represent, our Facebook page, Jeff and Represent, our email address, Jeff and Represent, all worn word at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Represent. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com, Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are also a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can. Tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. Until next time. Costumes, costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod. Also featured in this episode is Digital Motor by Louise Mayorga. All music is found on Coptic.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. Feel the power. Feel the freedom of your... That HD always screws me up. I'm like, Harry Potter dealer. Snicked. You know what's really fun? How the heck do I... I'm trying to open this thing. How the heck do I open you, it? What you do is, okay. you, is you cut around the wax. You cut all the way yeah. around the wax. You cut all of the wax around it. And then you can I open it. I did that, and I'm going to do that again. I'm going to get to the stage where I do the drinky drinks and the looky looks. You know what you can also just break off the top of the bottle. Could. I've done that on accident when uh, uh, opening up... Uh, it turned out it wasn't a twist before. Come on! <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. Here we go. It's just knocking some wax. Come on! <laughs> you gave me a job, Rick. You know, it honestly did not take me that long. I went once around with the, the <laughs> scissors, and then it just kind of peeled yep. off the top. You have skills. Mad ones at that. I, I do. Have, I really do. I have <laughs> My skills are better than yours. They are, obviously, as proven by this encounter right here. This is... Okay, I got... I, maybe I have a lip. Let's try it again. Yeah, nope. Here we go. Here we go. Come on. Come on. All right, let's try. This, this is going to be the one. Nope. Yes. I did it. I did it. Bravo, bravo. <laughs> All right. I'm a winner. Snicked. And who was that someone? Why, just this kid, Alex, who is now being questioned by Gambit and Cecilia Pow... Just this kid... Snicked. The Captain Universe Power is the ultimate Deu... Dos Ex Machina. Deu... Dos, deus ex, deus ex Machina. The Captain Universe Power is the ultimate Deu S... Snicked. Backup joke art. Um... Me or you. Okay, I'm like trying to figure out what's going on here, and this doesn't make sense. Oh, that's why it doesn't make sense. I'm looking at the wrong. <laughs> I'm looking at the wrong <laughs> notes. I'm like, this is this doesn't make sense. We're talking about the anti priest. Oh, that's the 138 that I just did. <laughs> We're in 135. Let's try that. Those notes just don't make any sense.